Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. The Colts dropped the season opener. What else is new? Every year, the Colts drop the season opener. We are now 1-12 since 2008 in season openers. We're 0-8 since 2014. We're 0-4 under Frank Reich. So nothing new. Colts lose the season opener. Surprise, surprise. 28-16 to the Seattle Seahawks. Playoff team from a year ago. So you think back to last year, losing week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that won zero more games the rest of the season. Now you get Russell Wilson, you get DK Metcalf, you get Tyler Lockett, you get Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams. Now you have a real legitimate team with a borderline. He'll probably make the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame coach who coached circles around Frank Reich today in the Seahawks coming to town. So there's really no question about would the Colts actually win this week one game. I never really thought they would. And here we are, 28-16. A lot to get to, a lot to get into. Jason, your first initial thoughts following the week one loss well luke i'm actually going to start off with the what three positives of this game well two and a half we'll get to the third positive but maybe one two. zach pascal had a really good game he made you know he had a bad holding call but at, he had two touchdowns nice game for him the tennessee titans got absolutely just manhandled and destroyed on their home field by arizona so that's positive and hopefully Carson Wentz did not die today. Yeah, and you got to put a pin today. in that one because yeah, knowing the Colts, you know, our injuries pop up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They never pop yeah, up Sunday night. He'll be missing a limb by Wednesday. Yeah. But at this point, we're going to say he survived the game. So those are True. my positive thoughts, Luke. Um, so, as far as the actual <laughs> game, wait, wait, Let me touch on your positives real quick. When you have okay. three positives, one of them is kind of a question mark till the middle of the week because we could easily find out he was decapitated on Sunday, but they didn't find his head until Wednesday afternoon. So one we have to put a pin in. And then one of our other two positives isn't even about our game. It's about the Titans going out and losing, getting clobbered by the Cardinals. But I'll <laughs> let you continue. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, when one of the two positives isn't even about your game, and it's about another team where you control none of their destiny, going out to Arizona and losing that game, or was that a home game? Either way, they lost that game. Yeah, that's that's fair. So really, one, one really, you know, Zach Pascal played well. All right. So my initial thoughts on the game was, I said this game would be decided at the line of scrimmage, and I thought the Colts had the advantage. Oh boy. I was wrong. Our <laughs> offensive line got absolutely frigging destroyed. Yep. Braden Smith, Julian Davenport was a disaster, as we expected. Uh, Ryan Kelly did not have a good game. Glowinski didn't have a good game. Th- their communication was bad. They fumbled a snap. The offensive line was the biggest. Like I knew we were probably not going to win this game, and I knew that Seattle was probably going to score points. For me, the biggest disappointment was our offensive line. He got hit 15 times. Carson was hit 15 times. He was sacked four times, I think. We did absolutely, and this is, a, we're going to get into Reich, you know, as we usually do in these type of games. But he did absolutely nothing to help our tackles. Nothing. And that cannot happen. It's the same thing we've been bitching about for, for the years he's been here. He refuses to give help to guys that are outmatched. He just won't do it. And that is the game got blown up because of that. The game 
came down to the line of scrimmage, and we could not do anything really on either side of the ball, Luke. Honestly, we didn't do anything on the defensive line either. Uh, aside from Buckner getting a sack, and and, and Al, I think Al Qadin had a half a sack, we got our ass kicked on the on the defensive line too. They ran the ball for, I think, like 10 yards. I mean, Carson had 91 yards. I mean, every guy on that ran the ball for them had five-plus yards per carry. So, I mean, it was just an awful game all around. That's why we struggle to find positives to start the show with. But, you know, it's one game. It was a horrible performance. Wright got out coached. Defense played terrible. Offense was bad. I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, Rigoberto had a good game. I mean, I don't I don't know where to go from that. But, you know, those are really my, my initial thoughts. I was really, really disappointed in the way the offensive line played. Yeah, and the defensive line, not that much better. 27 carries for Seattle, 140 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Carson was great. It was not a good game by any stretch by the Colts. Defense, offensively, they got better at least in the second half. And I feel like that's a theme. Like last year it was a theme, and people would get mad at us for not getting mad at Eberflus. And I heard a million times last year, oh, because you came on your podcast, you're biased and you don't criticize him. At halftime, I was criticizing him. He was awful at halftime. The first half was a a joke. Three touchdowns on four possessions. That's dog crap. That's awful. That's garbage. That's not NFL football. But the difference is the defense at halftime adjusted. So when you do a post-game show – at least we saw improvements defensively. You think back to last year, except off the top of my head, the Raven game where we got worse in the second half and we had a great first half, and it seemed to be like that last year. We never really had complete games defensively. It was either good or bad or bad or good. It was one or the other, first to second. Occasionally, the second half would be worse in the first half like the Raven game, but for the most part last year, it was a tale of two halves defensively. But in this game particular, in the Seahawks game, the defense was trash in the first half. They adjusted. They played much better in the second half. They played great in the third quarter. They had the big sack. Darius Leonard forced the fumble. They were bowling in the third quarter. They played very well in that third quarter. And they made four stops. So after giving up three touchdowns on four possessions in the first half, they made four stops in the third quarter. That resulted in zero points offensively. So when I look at this game offensively, the offense was average to below average in the first half, and they made no adjustments. They got worse in the second half, besides a garbage time touchdown late. People will get on us for that, and this is definitely the offense's fault and the defense's fault. This is a full team yeah. loss. So I'm not excusing one or the other. But at least going into halftime, we made adjustments on one side of the ball when seemingly we didn't make any adjustments, and we got worse on the other side of the ball. Yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, listen, in the first, uh, let's just get into the, we'll get into the defense first. In the first half, we didn't tackle. The communication on the back end was terrible. They were getting wide open looks. We gave up big plays. I mean, it was just a disaster. We weren't getting to Wilson. We weren't, we weren't wrapping up Carson. The, you know, Lockett went ham. Uh, it was awful. I mean, it was bad. It, it reminded me of the Bengals game last year when they just manhandled us the first half of the game. And, you know, and the Bengals were not nearly as talented as this, this you know, Seahawks team. But they went in at halftime. They adjusted. They did give up a touchdown late in the game. But, I mean, the game was over. The offensive had already really just pissed everything away. Oh. And we'll get into that in a minute. But they played well enough to win in the second half. You know, still I thought Okariki had his worst game as a pro. 
Kari had his worst game as a pro. Uh, Darius was pretty much invisible. The corners actually played better, as funny as it sounds, for the most part, better than anyone else did. That was my biggest concern going into the game. The safeties were bad. The D-line was bad. The linebackers were bad. But they made the adjustments. They came out in the second half, and they played winning football. They forced a fumble. I mean, one you know, one turnover is not enough. Probably not going to be enough to overcome uh, what we did offensively. But they did enough to get us back in the game. The offense just didn't do their job. Period. They were bad. Really, you know, the first drive was the highlight of the game, and they and they screwed that up with bad play calling. So the defense for me, you know, you're never going to shut down Russell Wilson. I thought they, you know, they really tore us up in the first half, and then I thought. You know, outside of the one drive when I feel like the defense kind of just – they knew the game was over, which is not good by any stretch uh, because you never want to quit. But I just felt like they, it was just that that fourth down play just took it out of them and they were just – you know, it was what it was. They went down, they got the touchdown. But outside of that, I thought in the second half the defense was fine. The tackling never did really improve that much. Uh, they had a – you know, they had trouble stopping the run, but – I, I do think the defense is going to get better. Obviously, that's that. I mean, that that goes without saying. We're going to see a lot of different types of quarterbacks, and they're going to have to get better. But for me, this is a team loss. The defense was just, you know, flat in the first half, and just the communication was bad. I mean, it was everything: tackling, uh, you know, play calling, some of the play. I didn't understand some of the coverages. I, I thought, you know, from top down, it just wasn't a good half. But then they adjusted, and then. You know, they played well enough to keep us in the game. The, the the offense was just so awful pretty much the entire game. Yeah, especially in this era. This is an offensive-heavy era, so it's difficult to make stops. It's difficult to hold Russell Wilson to even just seven points in the second half and to only put up ten points in the first half and then basically zero points until a garbage possession in the second half of total offense at home on your home field is awful. Like, that's just awful. You had good field position on the fumble that Leonard got you. You're not able to turn it into points. And then the fourth and one fumble, the snap fumble between Kelly and Wentz, it's probably a little bit of both their fault. And again, I understand, and the broadcast pointed it out, Kelly's had a different quarterback under center every year since he's been in Indianapolis for the most part, and that's not easy on him. I also cut Reich slack there too. Reich took a job where he thought he was going to have Andrew Luck. He goes from Luck to Jacoby to Rivers to Wentz, so that's not easy for him getting a different quarterback with a different skill set each and every year. That's probably why week one, or at least a factor why week one has been so difficult for him through his first four years. He's 0-4 through his first four years, week one. And you have Luck coming off the labrum. Then you have Jacoby, who's obviously Jacoby Brissett. So he's in a different class than the other three quarterbacks and not in a good way that Reich's had here the last couple of years. And you have Jacoby on only a couple weeks notice. Then last year you have Rivers coming in at 39. You have to get him acclimated. You didn't have a proper offseason. Neither did the Jaguars, but you didn't either. And then today... Wentz doesn't have a traditional summer as well. He was banged up. He had the foot surgery. He missed a bunch of time. He missed a bulk of training camp. He missed the entire preseason. So I cut right slack there. My overall issue is the situational coaching. Just situationally. And it's not even like, oh, I'm a super conservative fan. I never want to go for it. Or I just love the aggression blindly, even in this game. First drive, I didn't love the play calling on first, second, and third down when we got in goal. 
But you want to go for it fourth and one and set a message early, even if you don't get it. I think back to week two against the Vikings last year. What happened on the next possession? We turn the ball over on downs inside the three-yard line. Buckner gets the sack on Cousins. We get a safety. And the crowd's still in it. It's so early in the game, situationally. Those three points aren't that big yet. But then later in the game, after kicking the field goal on fourth and goal from the one or two, then later in the game, it's an 11-point game with eight minutes to go. Your defense has made four or five consecutive stops, maybe six consecutive stops in the second half. They got you the turnover. They had the big sack to get off the field on third down. You have a 14-play drive. You're down 11 points. There might not be two possessions left in the game, and now on fourth and one, you're going to go for it. On top of not liking the play call, you're going for it in that situation when mathematically to me, you got to prolong the game. Sometimes I feel like Reich doesn't have a feel for the game. He doesn't situationally know what's going on with the clock, with the score, with the crowd, with the opponent. Then when the defense comes back on the field, yeah, they give up a touchdown. It becomes a three-possession game. Would have been a two-possession game if you just kicked the field goal. But the defense, the wind is out of their sails. And that's not to excuse the defense because you want 100% effort at all times. You don't want loafs. But the defense that's played so well in the second half after an abysmal first half, not excusing that either, but they're playing so well this half, and the offense has put nothing on the board to show for it. And that takes something out of it. That hurts them. The crowd is into the game. You have the momentum. Now you take the crowd out of the game. Because now the crowd just watched a 14-play drive turn into zero points. You make it an eight-point game. Maybe the defense comes out with a little bit more energy, a little bit more swagger. You're kicking off. You bring up a third down. The crowd's into the game. It's a one-possession game to get the ball back. Sometimes I feel like right coaches as if it's Tuesday afternoon. And there's no situation. It's non-context coaching. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter how much time's left in the game. And then at the end, you get the ball back down three possessions, and there's no urgency. You're huddling. No. You're not huddle, You're not rushing to the line. You're not no, going no hurry. And I just don't understand, like, where's the lack of urgency come from? Now the crowd's not into the game. The defense doesn't even give a crap if they get back on the field. If you score, you're going to score with under a minute to go, under two minutes to go anyway. To me, it just doesn't make any sense. And I hate seeing the same mistakes over and over and over. Yes, I get it. People out there like Reich more than I do. I understand that. But to those people, I have to ask, doesn't it get frustrating when you see the same mistake in year one as year two, as year three, as year four? Like eventually, that's what drove us off a cliff batshit crazy with Chuck Pagano. It was the same mistake year in and year out. The same mistake he was making in 2012, he was making in 2016, he was making in 2017, and they got more repetitive as the years went by. And that's what drove us crazy about him. And then the coach talk, that voice burns out a lot quicker when it's the same old, same old. And it's year after year with Reich making the same mistakes. Now, he's a much better coach than Pagano, but I'm just making that comparison. I also don't like that there's fans out there that seemingly like Reich because he's not Pagano. My goal is to win a Super Bowl. I don't want, oh, well, he's better than Chuck Pagano. Oh, well, he's better than Jim Caldwell. No, I want a coach that's going to be able to win me a Super Bowl. Because at the end of the day, Jason, this is one game. We're 0-1. Last year, we lost week one to a team much worse than the Seattle Seahawks. We lost to a Jaguar team that went 0-15 the rest of the way. They finished the year 1-15. They obviously finished with the first pick. We went 11-5, 11-4 after week one. We made the playoffs. Played well against Buffalo in the playoff game. Could have won that game. So 
The season's not over. The sky's not falling on this season. I definitely expect this team, and again, the Titans lost today, which is a silver lining for us as far as today's NFL schedule goes. But I want to win a Super Bowl one day, and I question when I watch Reich make the same mistakes over and over and not understand the situation, will he be the guy? Could he ever be the coach to win a Super Bowl with this team? And I'm not saying we have the roster right now to do it, but we're watching mistakes year in and year out on a weekly basis that makes you scratch your head. How is this guy coaching as if there's no context to the game, as if he has no feel, as if this is Wednesday afternoon and not Sunday at 2.30 when you're looking up at the clock and you know what the score is. And I don't know if it's analytics. I don't know what it is. But to me, it doesn't make any sense. And it's the same thing year after year after year. We're in year four now. You want to see improvements. And we're seeing either stagnant coaching or we're seeing regression. And you don't want to see that, especially when on the field, on paper, the roster should be getting better every year. Yet the results seem to be the same. At least the errors coaching-wise. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much hit all that on the head. I, I don't really disagree with any of it. My, my issues with him really stem from play selection, especially in the red zone. We don't run any fades, even though we have a 6'5 receiver and a 6'6 guy. We don't run fades. We don't, I mean, he is so unimaginative when he gets inside the red zone, and it drives me crazy. And like you said, it's it, it doesn't, like his thought process doesn't make any sense. Like, you played, you, you go down the field, okay, you kick the field goal there. Okay, you get a 3 nothing lead, great. But then later in the game, when you can kick a field goal and make it an eight-point game, you go for it after seeing how bad your offensive line, you've seen it. Yep. You, you've seen your offensive line get absolutely dominated, and and you're not just going to take the field goal there? Like, so I, I agree with you. He has no – his in-game feel – leaves a lot to be desired. I don't know what the back end of this game was, but they, I mean, they, it, did they just give up? I mean, they weren't, they were going in a huddle with three minutes to go down, you know, whatever. What I mean, it's just like, dude, what are we doing? Like, what was the, Luke, let me ask you this question. Usually when you, when you watch a team play, you, you can watch the full, like it's like a, a picture. You don't really see the complete game. Until you see, or you don't see the full picture until you see the complete game. Mm-hmm. What was the Colts' game plan on, on offense in this game? Could you tell me? Because I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. And you know what else bothers me a lot? Like, I'm watching both. I have the Colts on one TV, I do dual TV. So I have the Colts on one TV, I have Red Zone on the other. So I try to keep up with the full league and watch a little bit of every game. When I watch these young, innovative coaches, even Philadelphia today with Nick Sirianni had a little bit of this. The field seems so wide open. With Wilson, yep. the field seems so wide open the other way. And we have a good defense. We have a lot of good playmakers on this defense. It wasn't the best coach game. It wasn't the best played game. We missed a lot of tackles. I understand all that. But there's certain plays where it's like, even if you do everything right, Seattle's just going to have something open. You watch a Rams game, next week we're going to see it. They have a lot of plays where it's just everybody's wide open. And when Reich scripts the first 15 plays to start the game, we had guys open all over the field. Yep. And something happens throughout the course of the game where it feels like the field shrinks. 
And the best example, the opposite of the Colts example, would be the Cardinals. When you watch that Cardinal-Titans game, and it'll be interesting in a couple weeks to see how much of it is the Titans' defense and how much of it is the difference between Kingsbury and Reich as far as how wide open the offense is. Because I have so many people saying, we don't have enough playmakers. We don't have enough playmakers. And if you want me to get on Ballard, I'll get on Ballard in a minute for the backup tackle situation and other spots as far as roster construction goes. But playmaker-wise, Reich's not even using the guys he has. That's like saying you need to go grocery shopping just because you ran out of eggs, but you still have a thousand other ingredients that you could go make food with. Because we still Paris have Gamble. other guys. Paris Gamble wasn't Paris used exactly. Paris Gamble wasn't used today. Strone was used what twice on third downs. We seemingly never yep. used him at any other point. We never threw a fade to him. I never saw Cox Pittman. like Pittman the same thing. We never used Pittman properly. Late in the game, we're dumping the ball off to Taylor instead of going downfield when we're down three possessions, and then we're huddling up. It didn't make any sense. So, could we use another playmaker? Sure, you could always use another playmaker. You can never have enough playmakers, right? If you want to get technical with the complaint that people had with me on Twitter today. But my counter would be, well, why would I give you another one when you haven't used the five that are already there? Like that to me, I thought was another concern. And in the beginning of games, when Reich scripts out those first 15 plays or whatever it might be, guys are open all over the field. For some reason, during the game, he can't create that. But when you watch Kingsbury and you watch McVeigh or you watch these younger, more innovative offensive minds, it's not the first 15 plays. It's the first 50 plays, the entire game. And last year, I thought a lot of it was because Rivers couldn't extend plays. He had no mobility. And the offensive line today was awful. Last year, we had a great offensive line and an immobile quarterback. Today, we had a mobile quarterback with a terrible offensive line. So I'll give Reich the benefit of the doubt there. But you have a quarterback that you can move around. He didn't max protect. protect. That's on him. For every time, you try to give him a little bit of leeway, but then there's other things he does that it's just like his argument would be, well, we didn't have enough time to get down the field or get Paris the ball or do run crossers or do this. That's because you didn't put an extra guy over there or max protect to give the quarterback time. When you gave Wentz time, he made plays. Yeah, Wentz actually was a bright spot. He played well. Yep. He took all that heat and he played well. He was fine. You just got to give them time. And you if your offensive line can't block them, then you have to put an extra guy there. You can't go empty backfield. You have to keep Taylor back there to block. I mean, you just have to adjust to what you're seeing on the field. And it's like you said, it's like he's not even watching the game. Nope. It's like he's coaching the game on Wednesday, on Sunday. That's really what it feels like because it feels like everything's out of context. Just like, oh, okay, this play is going to be this play regardless of the situation. The situation doesn't mean anything. That's what it really feels like, and it's very frustrating to watch when we're watching the game in sequence. We're watching every little thing, including the clock, including the score, including the offensive line play, including all that. And then another thing, that people were saying to me on Twitter. I don't know if it's because they were looking at the Eagle game or whatever, but somebody was like, maybe we miss Nick Sirianni more than I initially thought. And my response to that was very basic. Every single issue we had with Frank Reich today, we had at some point last year. Not every single game, but throughout the season, 
If you want to go back to week one, when we lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, guess who our offensive coordinator was? It was Nick Sirianni. It didn't matter. We still lost the game. We still had very similar issues in that game as we did today. So what would Sirianni have done differently? He would have sat there and watched Reich do what Reich does, as he did last year and as Marcus Brady did today. And last year I wanted to go to Nick Sirianni, and I just figured – What do we have to lose? I would have liked to have seen him call the plays. Today, I would have liked to have seen Marcus Brady call the plays. And I'll say that 10 times throughout the year. And there will be weeks where Reich has great weeks. We score 35 points and people will say, oh, CCC. And it's like, yeah, great for a week. But what's going to happen next week? Are we going to fall back into that? How many weeks last year did we have good offensive games where we did all our scoring in the first half? And then all of a sudden, we just went into a vacuum. And as the game went on, we weren't able to score anymore. The Pittsburgh game, we just completely stopped scoring offensively. And then that's another game like the Raven game where the defense was good in the first half and then awful in the second half. So it's just very well, frustrating. Let, my argument to that would be let's let's wait and see Nick Sirianni's offense against Seattle. Like the, we, we weren't playing the Falcons, okay? that that let's, let's just put that out there right now. We weren't playing the Falcons. But it, like – but, but to be fair, we played Jacksonville last year, so who knows? But yeah. Well, my I mean, point isn't know. even – I think – I honestly think the Eagles are going to be a disaster. I think they're going to win three or four games this year. I don't think they're a good team. My point was just more in the Colts system with the Colts players and the Colts offensive line. Last year, I would have just liked to have seen what do we have to lose because it seems like offensively it was the same thing every week. What's crazy is I think back to 2019 and watching game film of Jacoby just missing scads of wide-open receivers down the seam or crossing routes. I mean, he schemed guys open in 2019. I don't understand why we're regressing here. We had less offensive talent in 2019. Remember that? Everyone was bitching about, oh, oh, we don't have any receivers. We don't have this. We don't have that. We have all these injuries. Guys were still open. And it was Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers and guys like, I mean, we didn't have a lot of weapons then, and he was scheming guys open. So I don't know where it feels like it's kind of like Chuck. We're going backwards. It does feel because like none that. of these things are getting fixed. Nope. And Luke, when was the last time we threw a fade in the red zone? Never. I can't remember. I mean, we've got Pittman. He's physical. He can go get the ball. You got Pascal. He's physical. He can go get the ball. You got Strawn, who's six friggin' five, and he can go get the ball. And then you got Moali. I mean, what? Why can't we run one damn fade? I would much rather on that second down where we lost three yards, running that stupid run into the middle. I would much rather him throw a fade. But no, no, we we don't throw any fades in the red zone. I will never understand it. I don't get it. You're not you're not putting yourself putting the the players in best position to make plays, and I, I just don't understand. A fade is a, what a three step, you know, or even hell one step. Just take a step and th- throw it up. I mean, you don't need to have that great a blocking to throw a fade. I mean, it's just frustrating, man. The offense should be better than this. The offensive line today though was just so damn bad. I have no words for how bad they were. It was a Chuck Pagano offensive line today. Yeah. It was that bad. 15 quarterback hits. And they weren't little hits. They were Andrew Luck lacerated swing type. It's unbelievable. And the crazy thing is, when he had time, he was ripping the ball. He was, I mean, he looked great when he had time. Yeah. We just, 
we just couldn't give them time and we couldn't put you know we we would you know we kept going empty backfield we you know and he had no help back there and you know we were just doing all kinds of stuff and we were it, 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 when we should have made it simple max protect put a back back there and give him some damn time to throw the friggin ball but we didn't do that all game long nope. and it's frustrating because that's that to me that means right can't adjust he can't adjust. We were getting dominated up front. Anybody, hell, Stevie Wonder could have saw it. We were getting <laughs> killed up front, and he just never adjusted to it. With Eberflus, at least he adjusted. Yeah, and it was very similar to last year. Besides the Steeler game and the Raven game off the top of my head, every time the defense started poorly, they got it together at halftime and played better in the second half. And then the offense, pretty much every game except maybe the Bengal game, it was the opposite. They would start decent or good and then it would get worse as the game went on and then also i know people are gonna be like oh you guys always defend ballard and not reich and blah, blah. well yeah. as far as ballard goes i really feel like we could take this game recap and we could take any loss from last year and we could just take that game recap and just replace the word laraven clark or Chaz Green with Julian Davenport, and we would basically have the same recap because the right issues haven't changed. The defense hasn't really changed where it's bad in the first half. They adjust. They're fine. They're good, whatever, in the second half. And the backup tackle situation is a joke. I mean, you knew Anthony Costanzo would most likely retire after last year because he contemplated it two years ago. Right. So you sign him to a two-year deal, but you feel like, okay, you know what? There's a, there's a good chance that he's not going to be back in 2021 so you go through that draft and you refuse to draft a backup tackle going into last year you also knew that you weren't going to get every starter on the offensive line to play 16 games for the second year in a row which would be 32 consecutive starts for every single one of the five guys on the offensive line so last year we see Costanzo go down multiple times we see Smith go down we go into this offseason he neglects it through free agency after after we see Costanzo retire we go into the draft. We don't draft a tackle. Then he signs Fisher. Fisher should be back sooner rather than later, which is great. But then his backup and Smith's backup are still going to be Davenport and whoever else is on this roster. And you sign a guy who's coming off a torn Achilles. So you know you don't even need to say, well, if somebody goes down. You know going into the year that he's most likely going to miss time. And you don't address the backup tackle? Two well, drafts in a row? Well, here's the thing, Luke. Okay, if you don't address the tackle spot in the draft, which we didn't, that's fine. But here's my issue. You signed three turds. Sam Tevy, okay, Will Holden, I think they resigned. He was cheap. But Sam Tevy was like two and a half or three million. Davenport was two and a half or three million, I think. Why not save that money and sign somebody like Okun, who's out there, who's got experience and actually has been a good player, Sign him to be the backup. He can play right. He can play left. And he's better than the two turds that you had that you signed. I, I just he he's band-aiding the backup tackle spot too much. It's just and it's it's not and it's a band-aid that's it's just ripped up. It's not even a real band-aid because these guys can't play. Like you get a false sense of hope from Davenport because he's playing against backups in training camp, right? And and or not training camp, but in in preseason, then he goes out there and just gets destroyed. I don't know what Braden Smith was doing, but he got destroyed too. You know, Kelly didn't have a great game, 
and Glowinski didn't have a great game. But those guys are proven. They're going to play better. Davenport is not. He is what he is. There's a reason why he's still, what, 25 and he's been on three teams? So, yep. like, Ballard's got to figure this out. At left tackle and at corner, he has not done enough to help this team. We are in deep doo-doo at tackle, and we are in deep doo-doo at corner because we don't have any vets out there. It's all young guys, and he didn't do enough. I really – and I've talked about this – I think I've said this to you off air. I really regret them drafting Sean Davis from Florida uh, safety. I wish they would have taken a corner there because I, I know it's a fifth-round pick, but, man, they, I mean – Sean Davis is on the practice squad, but he showed nothing in preseason. And we could have taken a corner. There were a lot of decent corners still available, and we just didn't do it. So there's a lot. I mean, I love Ballard. I think he's a top three talent evaluator. I love the guy. But there are blind spots in every GM. And his blind spot for us has been finding a comparable or a competent backup swing tackle. He has not done it the entire time he's been here, and I have no idea why. You can sign those guys to a one-year deal, and they're not going to affect you for a long period of time cap-wise. So I don't really know why he hasn't done it or if he's just you know a bad judge of talent at that position. I have no idea because he hasn't really drafted anyone there. So who knows, but he's got to get on that. That has to be improved. He's going to be here for five more years. That position – has if you're gonna have a legit if you're gonna have a bad player it can't be a tackle a bad backup player it can't be a bad backup left tackle it has to be I mean if you're gonna you know go bottom of the barrel it can be guard it can't be tackle yeah well that's the weird thing to me he comes in he knows immediately he has to build an offensive line around Andrew Luck and he does it he puts resources into it he drafts two guards. One turns into a good right tackle. I mean, even Braden Smith, technically, although he found a great, not today, he was awful today, he found a great last year right tackle in Braden Smith. And I think Braden Smith will get back to his 2020 ways as this season progresses. But he drafted him as a guard. And he kind of just got lucky that he was able to bounce outside and become a good right tackle. So besides Zach Banner, he hasn't drafted any tackles. But this is a guy who had, like, I look around the league at bad offensive lines. I look at the Giants, and Dave Gettleman has addressed the line time and time again, and he's just missed. He's a terrible offensive line evaluator. Ballard is actually a really good offensive line talent evaluator. The problem is he has seemingly neglected the tackle spot, and he's almost content with having good starting tackles, Costanzo Smith, now Fisher when he gets healthy, Smith. But just winging it with the backups, and it doesn't make any sense. Like last year, like I almost understand it two years ago. Okay, because Costanzo plays every game, Smith plays every game. You never have to see the backups. So maybe you get fooled. You had LaRaven Clark play well in practice, Chaz Green, good camp, whatever it might be. Maybe he got fooled. Fine. After last year, you saw how important the backup spots are. And then you go into this offseason and you, yeah, you hold those guys accountable and you bring in new backup tackles who are just as bad, if not worse. Yep. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you've seen Davenport. There's film on Davenport from New Orleans. You saw Tevi play 
And I'm sure he saw Tevi play a lot when he was watching the Rivers tape to see what Rivers had left in 2018. You know these guys suck. And you brought them in. And thank God Fisher's ahead of schedule. Because could you imagine right now if Fisher wasn't going to be back until week 10? Dude, if that was the I mean, I'm already at the point where I would go out and sign Ocone and just bring him in here whenever Fisher is healthy just to have a legit backup. I mean, because I don't know. Could you sign Okung and just throw him at left tackle? Is he in sh- – I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I just – I can't wa- – because Reich – the thing is, you might be able to get by with Julian Davenport if Reich would adjust to the fact that he sucks. But the thing with Reich is he thinks every size fits all, right? He puts Costanzo out there, never helps him. He puts Julian out there, never helps him. He put who did he put out there last? LaRaven, Chad. I mean, it, it didn't matter. So he acts like every left tackle is created equal, and that is a problem. Mm-hmm. There's zero adjustment, and it and and that is. I mean, I, I don't have words for that. That's Pagano shit. That's 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 some Pagano shit. Like remember Pagano that one uh, the Denver game when he had uh, Dwayne Allen block. Uh, you know. Von Miller on like the most important drive of the game, and it was sack, fumble, touchdown. I mean, that's that's stuff Pagano did. Yep. And now you've got Julian Davenport just getting absolutely annihilated by whoever lines up in front of him, and you're just gonna just gonna watch it take place and do nothing about it, and watch your quarterback get killed. I mean, that I cannot emphasize how much of a beating he took. He took an Andrew Luck 2015 beating out there. And uh, and he, I'll tell you this: if the Colts don't start playing better, and this is just common sense, if the Colts don't adjust, their offensive line doesn't improve, which I think it will. But if he takes hits like this every game, he he's not going to be around for eight weeks. Nope. You know what I mean? Like he, he they, they've got somebody has got to get in Reich's ear and say, listen, if we're going to play this guy at left tackle, you have to put somebody over there to help him on every snap. I don't care if it takes a guy out of pass cover or, you know, takes away a pass option. It doesn't matter because if you don't get that side blocked, you're not going to have enough time to throw a pass route anyway. Mm-hmm. And somebody has got to tell him that. I, 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 it's the craziest thing. I don't understand it. I mean, it's like you're not playing to your personnel at all. It's like yeah. he doesn't know his personnel. Uh, it's it's frustrating, but. I guess the the thing we hold our you know the thing we hang our hat on Luke is you know four of the five guys have played you know at Pro Bowl level in their career so hopefully next week they will play better if they don't they're going to get embarrassed again Aaron Donald Definitely. will embarrass even the best players yep so they better get it together or they're in for another rough game next week because that that offense or that defensive line is just as talented actually it's more talented it's than more the one talented, we just yeah, and they dominated. They dominated the whole game. We got our ass absolutely kicked on the line of scrimmage from beginning to end, and it wasn't even close. And they've got to be better. they got to show some pride, suck it up, come out and play a lot better next week, or we're going to look at the same thing. We're going to yep. watch Carson Wentz get driven into the ground 15 times and probably get hurt. So, listen, I mean, it, I don't know what to say, man. I'm so disappointed. A lot of people bitched about the defense. They bitch about wins. They bitch about playmakers. None of that crap matters if your offensive line plays like it does. True. Today, this game is as frustrated as I've been as a as a fan in a long time. Just because the offensive line, the strength of what I or what I thought was the strength of this team, and the defensive line played so bad, 
and it's disheartening. But I think what needs to be said, and we always say this, just like we said, even after the disaster that was Jacksonville last year, is it's only one game. We lost that 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 horrible game last year and still found, found a way to make the playoffs. We started off one in five in 2018 with Andrew Luck, found a way to make the playoffs. So, I mean, as, for as frustrated and angry as I am after this game, I do want to keep it in perspective. One, it's only one loss, and there's 16 more games to play and plenty of chances to make up for it. Two, it's an NFC loss, so it doesn't affect us in tiebreakers. We lost every damn tiebreaker last year to every AFC team, so that's a silver lining in a loss. It wasn't to an AFC team, but they have to play better. I mean, that was not that's not Colt football. Whatever that was, that was not Colt football. I, it was, it was embarrassing. I mean, I, I'm just shocked, Luke. I can't believe how bad the lines were. I mean, I, I guess the defensive line was a little bit better, but not great. Uh, the linebackers were horrible. They didn't tackle well. I mean, part of this, I think, is the way we handle training camp and preseason because none of our guys play. So they come out, they're not ready. I mean, they don't tackle well and fundamentally the communication's off and all that. But it is what it is. I mean, that's the way it is. You got to go out there and you got to find a way to get it done. And they just don't do it in week ones. I mean, it's been since 2013 and before that since what? One win since 2010, I think, on on opening games. And this was bad. The, the, The crowd was hyped. Everything was in position for them to win this game. They just came out. They played an awful football game. And they lost – I mean, they lo- I mean, every way. In every way, they lost this game, defensively, offensively. And um, – but, again, it's one game. You would think that hopefully they knock the rust off in this game. As long- My thing is, as long as they're, they're playing good by week three, because that's when the, I mean, that's when the AFC's gauntlet starts, and we, those are games we can't lose. So they need to figure this out the first two weeks against NFC teams with good defenses, so that they're prepared to play Tennessee and Miami and Baltimore, because those are the three games after that, and they're all on the road. So this is one game; it's an NFC loss. It's not a huge deal, but they've got to get better. They, no excuses. They got their ass kicked today. Period. End of story. No excuses. They've got to get better. Reich's got to be better. The offense has to be better. The offensive line has to be better. The defense has to be better. The tack- the linebackers, Okariki and, and Leonard played probably the worst game I've seen their linebackers play in a while. They Okariki especially was horrible, missed tackles right and left, got stiff-armed out the club on one play by the tight end. It was just an embarrassing game, and they need to put it behind them quick and move on and get ready for L.A. because L.A. is going to come in here after seeing that film licking their chops. So we got to be ready to play next week. Yeah, like you said, no excuses. You said it very well. No excuses. Have to be better next week. We did talk about it off air this week. We would take one and two, probably over two and one, as long as that one was against the Titans. And I would double 100%. down on that now because the Titans also oh, yeah. lost today. So Yep. That would just mean either they're one and two or zero oh and three, and we'd be one and two. So we want to win next week, of course, against the Rams and even this thing up at one and one, as we did last year. But that week three game is huge, especially because I think the Titans have the Seahawks next week, so they could lose that game. They could be sitting at zero oh and two. There's a very good chance the two best teams in the AFC South are both zero oh and two going into that week three matchup, which is 
funny, sad. Well, I guess it's only half sad. I'd love it if they're 0-2 going to week three. And that's a huge game, of course. Obviously a division game, and not only a division game, but a head-to-head game with the Titans. So next week, defense has to be better in the first half than they were today. Offense has to be better the entire game. Reich has to be better. Eberflus has to be better. Everybody has to be better next week against the Rams. And the Rams are a high-flying offense. They're probably more high-powered than the Seahawks. And defensively, their defensive line is probably better than the Seahawks as well. So it's going to be another tough one next week. We'll get to the game preview this week, probably around Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll get to the game preview. That's when we'll be back here on the For the Coach Podcast. So that's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. And this is the For the Coach Podcast.